Beautiful. Thank you, Kiki. I never have heard that one before. So great. Beautiful. Love it. Yes. Well, wonderful. I love all your original stuff. It's so good. It's so good. Hello, hello, hello. We're filling up. Good to see all of you. Good to see all of you. I just got back from vacation yesterday afternoon and time to prepare for today, and here I am. I had a lovely time. I went down to Southern California and saw my dad and my mom and got to spend a couple days with my kids, and I always tease them. It's my favorite thing in the world when I have both of my children in the same place and we get to just hang out, you know? It's, it's what I love to do. And uh, got to see my sister and some sunshine, and it was really a good time. But I'm glad to be back with you. <laughs> good to be back with you here. And uh, I'm sure uh, last week was lovely with Reverend Megan. I'm sure it was, so I'm glad I missed that. Sorry I missed that. Well, we are moving right along. We are in September, Labor Day weekend. Oh my goodness, it's very hard to imagine. I'm coming up on my two-year anniversary of when I came up to Candidate. Uh, so, I mean, it is really moving along. I can't believe it's been two years already. So today we've got the uh, theme, the year theme, which is 100 Years of Science of Mind. And September, Home Office is doing this, Spiritual Mind Treatment, The Feeling. Now, if you remember, we did last month Spiritual Mind Treatment, The Form. So we talked a lot about Spiritual Mind Treatment. So we are going to do something a little different. The next slide, we're going to do Falling into Metaphysics this September. We're going to do Falling into Metaphysics in alignment with all those that are going back to school as we start our new educational track. We're going to review some of the classics of Science of Mind. We're doing uh, one today, and we're going to do an earnest Holmes and a Fox, Emmett Fox, we're going to do a Goldsmith and a Eric Butterworth. So we're going to move through the month looking at some of our Science of Mind classics. So uh, falling into metaphysics is our theme this month. And today we're going to start with a goodie, the game of life and how to play it. The Game of Life and How to Play It. Florence Shovel Shin, if I'm saying that right, her name. And it was written in 1925 in 1925, and uh, she writes in such an easy-to-read way. I probably read this two or three times by the pool on vacation. You know, you can read it. It's a pretty easy read, and it's a fun read. She talks very uh, much in language that we can understand even today. One of her taglines is, your word is your wand. I like that. Your word is your wand. You know what you say you create. You know, simple, simple. The other one she has with Reverend Megan and I, we're on the one mind here on this, because Reverend Megan put this quote on the e-blast. The game of life is a game of boomerangs. Man's thoughts, deeds, and words return to him sooner or later with astonishing accuracy. The game of life is a game of boomerangs. Right. So Florence Shovel Shin, she was born in 1871, and she was an American artist and an illustrator. There's only a few of her pieces of art left. She drew, and she was just a very natural artist. She went to the Pennsylvania School of Fine Arts. And when she graduated, she began her work as an illustrator. She met and married her husband there, and uh, she didn't marry him at school, but she met him at school, and they got married, and he was an artist. And uh, they were married for several years and divorced in 1912. I think it's interesting, you know, as I was thinking about that, we just finished Roots class, and we studied some very strong women. Some of our founders are beginning people in our, uh, uh, our science of mind teaching, our new thought teaching, and these women didn't stay, seem to stay married. 
Interesting, huh? Interesting. These strong women in the early 1900s were probably not very compatible to uh, the men of those times and maybe said about strong women today, but, uh, but it's easy, gotten easier for us women to have a voice and to be in a place of power, in a place of teaching. So Florence, she really didn't find and start writing about metaphysics until in her 50s. And uh, she wrote her first book, The Game of Life, which she self-published. See, and we're reading it still today, you know, and there'd be an argument. You'll talk to uh, religious science ministers who say you can't self-publish, right? Well, you can self-publish in 1925, right? And it's still out here. Um, she wrote three books while she was alive, and then two books were published after her death. One in 1945, and one was published in 2013 by Hay House. Right? Louise Hayes received a letter from a small uh, uh, book collector, or this is a little piece of it, from a rare book dealer, she received this letter. Several months ago, we came across a unique item from that collection we think you might have interest in. The item is an original typewritten manuscript by Florence Shovel Shin, The Magic Path of Intuition. We're contacting you to see if you or Hay House have an interest in purchasing this rare original manuscript, positioned to share its content with the world. So Louise Hay did buy it. She credits uh, Florence as one of her early influencers of Louise Hay, and uh, she published the book, so it's available everywhere on Amazon. This Bobby has in the bookstore, The Game of Life, so if you're interested in picking that up, you can. I didn't discover her until after I had become a practitioner. I hadn't, it wasn't really talked about at the center that I was at. She wasn't really talked about it, and so I found it fascinating reading her work. Uh, several of the laws that she speaks about in the book are the law of prosperity, the law of non-resistance, the law of karma, she calls it, we would call it cause and effect, and the law of forgiveness. One of the things that she reminds us in the book, which I think is well worth repeating, is that when we're reading the Bible, or if we're reading books that use the word Lord, Lord, kind of a more Christian interpretation, we can substitute the word law for Lord. Right? And it makes the Bible so much clearer to us. For instance, she uses, vengeance, vengeance is mine, I will repay it, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine. Not really a God I kind of probably want to do business with, right? You kind of hear that and you're like, Ugh. But if you, if you substitute the word law, it is the law that takes vengeance, not God. God sees perfect man created in his own image. So if you replace that word, vengeance is mine, I will repay it, saith the law, right? Because the law, we know, is, is neutral, right? So what we put into it, we get back. So it's not spirit or source that is sort of evening the score. It's our very own doing, our very own doing, our very own thinking. And what she calls karma, we would call, again, the law of cause and effect. In talking about the law of karma, she says something which I don't think a lot of us really get. I don't think we do, and he really, it, it, it warrants focusing on it a little bit. She says, many people are in ignorance of the fact that gifts and things are investments, and that hoarding and saving invariably leads to loss, right? 
Her book is filled with stories. She's, her books are filled with stories and stories and stories. She had lots of people come to her as a practitioner, as a teacher. So she's got lots and lots of stories. So what she's saying is don't not save, but don't keep it all to yourself. Don't hold on to it as if there's never going to be another dollar flowing in. It's very important that we live in that law of circulation, that as we go out, it comes in, right? To think that you need to save every penny that you ever got is to stop the flow. She tells a story of a man, a man who wanted a fur-lined coat. Now remember, this is the early 1900s. He wanted a fur-lined coat, and he shopped, and he shopped, and he went around, and every coat that he saw, he thought looked cheap. And so he didn't buy one, and finally him and his wife, they went into a store where it was the end of the year sort of clearance, right? And the gentleman had a coat that was a $1,000 coat, but it was on sale for half price, for $500. Now the man, his bank account, he had $700, right? So common sense or logic, as she would say, would tell us not to spend $500 of your $700 on a coat, right? She says, the reasoning mind would have said, you can't afford to spend nearly all you have on a coat. But he was very intuitive and never reasoned. So he used his intuition and purchased the coat. About a month later, he received a commission check of $10,000. And he claims that in purchasing that coat, he felt prosperous. It lined him up with the idea of prosperity and wealth, and he went out in the world feeling prosperous, and he attracted that to himself. It's important to continue to, go, to give out and to bring back. She also says, if a man ignores these leadings to spend or to give, the same amount of money will go in an uninteresting or unhappy way. How many times has that happened to you? It's happened to me when I decided I was going to hold on to this money. I ended up losing it some other way. She tells a story of a woman who uh, told her family she would not be able to do Thanksgiving dinner because she was saving the money. So that year, her family didn't have Thanksgiving dinner. And a few days after Thanksgiving, her home was broken into, and the exact amount of the Thanksgiving dinner was stolen from her dresser drawer. Right? Living in that flow. You know, her book is called a prosperity classic, but there's so much more in it. There's so much more in it than just prosperity, but she does touch on our prosperity as she goes through each of these chapters. We must be in the flow of divine circulation. We must. We must give and receive. There must be a continuous circle of putting out and coming back, putting out and coming back. We've talked about it before. If we bend the hose and we stop the flow, we have no water. We need to keep it open. And the reason we keep it open is by giving and receiving. And remember, we're not just talking about money. We can give of our time. We can give of our talent. And we can give of our treasures. We can do all of that to be in the flow of life and to watch it show up at our doorstep. It's such a fun thing to do. Truly, it is. If you practice it, it is really fun to see what shows up. All kinds of amazing things. The law always stands back of the man who spends fearlessly with wisdom, she says. Well, that doesn't mean to just go out and blow your entire savings on a new car, right? To spend with wisdom, to spend with wisdom. 
I had such a fun time with my kids, um, it, and I'm going to share a day with you. A day that I had with them of one of the days that we spent together, we were filling in the flow. We decided the three of us together were a magnet for good, because we had so much stuff happen that day, it was amazing. You all know that my son's a basketball player, those of you that know him, and he went to college on a basketball scholarship, and then last year he went to Spain and played on a team in Spain. And now he's back, and he decided not to go to back to Europe because he wanted to stay and he wanted to try out for what was called the D-League, which is now called the G-League, the Gatorade bottom or something, but the D-League, which is the minor league NBA teams. So he tried out for the Kings last weekend, and uh, he's got a tryout signed up for the Clippers, and, and those are open. You can kind of sign up, and anybody can go. But the one team that he really wanted to try out for was the team he grew up with. And... Uh, now, this guy's been visioning this for over a year. He had a lot of free time in Spain, and he would lay in his bed, he told me, and just see himself playing, and see himself playing, and see himself getting in there. So we're sitting at this little farmer's market that was where I was staying, and he gets a phone call. And, uh, hello, Sean? Yes, sir. I know he's talking to a coach when he says, yes, sir, right? Yes, sir. We'd like to invite you to try out for the Lakers. Yeah, so he's got that coming up at the end of the month. So we high-fived and doo-doo-doo. Now, it's the Lakers, you know, D-League team. It's not the NBA team, but that was an invitation only, and that was one he was really wanting. So that was a big win. And then we went in to play bingo. We love to play bingo. We're goofy that way. And we went in to play bingo at the resort, and we got our tickets, and we sat down, and they played nine games of bingo all together. And between Sean, Brianna, and I, we won five. Five of the nine games, right? And I'm getting up because I told him I was going to win blackout, which was the last one, and I did. And when I'm getting up to get my prize, the lady, the, the bingo color lady, she says, aren't you embarrassed? I'm like, what? No! Right? But that race consciousness, like how much good can you receive? Like it's too much to win five games. I'm like, no way. We're good, right? And then we go back to our room, and my daughter's decided, she called me a couple weeks ago, and she said, Mom, don't discourage me, so you know right then you don't say anything, right? And she says, Mom, I had this intuitive hit that I got, need to go to New York Fashion Week. I'm like, okay, great, go. And she's worried about the money, and maybe she shouldn't be spending it, but her and her friend decided they're going, and it's at the same time this convention that she goes to, which is part of the thing that she does. And so she's putting together press packages, and she's putting stuff out, and she's wanting to meet people in New York and hook up with people, and she has friends that are there, and she's got some people that are designing some clothes for her, and she's ready to go make this big splash. And she puts on Instagram, because that's what the kids use, anybody got a hookup for so-and-so show? I forget the designer's name, but he's somebody that designed for Lady Gaga and some other people. And we're sitting in the room, and she jumps up, and she says, oh my gosh, I got an email from his assistant. And his assistant said, you're an icon. Email me. You're in. Right? So we are just like, we are just feeling it, right? We're in that divine flow of life. We're giving and receiving. And I love watching my children, you see, because they grew up with this teaching. They didn't know they couldn't do it. No one ever told them they couldn't do it. So they just totally believe they can, and they act as if, and they go out into the world, and they just do it. It's amazing. It's really amazing to see these spiritual principles work and operate in people's lives. 
Yes. So this book, as I was reading it, I came across a chapter that I really loved. My favorite chapter was Perfect Self-Expression and the Divine Plan. I don't know about you, that was my question for most of my life. What am I going to be when I grow up? What's my purpose? Why am I here? Why was I incarnated at this time in this place? You know, what was the thing that I signed up to do? Right, I really wanted to know. And so she talks a lot about that. And she says there is for each of us a perfect self-expression. There is a place for us to fill and no one else can fill it. We may not have the faintest idea of what it is. Many are seeking their place in the world. She says we should declare this, and I love this. I wrote this down. I got a notebook out, and I'm getting all these great quotes from this book. And she says, infinite spirit, open the way of the divine design of my life to manifest. Let the genius with me now be released. Let me see clearly the perfect path. I loved that. And then she says, man comes into the world financed by God. I'm like, yes, my perfect path is financed by God totally, absolutely sourced. Then she says, the thing man is seeking is seeking him. And I believe she stole that from Rumi, although she doesn't give him credit. <laughs> the thing man is seeking is seeking him. Demand definite leads, she says, and the way will be made successful. Demand leads. She talks about leads. She talks about saying this prayer and then paying attention to the leads that come your way. That phone call that you get, that friend that you run into, that intuitive knowing of that thing that just happens. My friend likes to say, otter God, otter God, right? It's God. To have a faith such as this, to demand that it be revealed to us. She talks about not giving in to our fears and our doubts. She uses this line, and those of you that know the Bible, you know the story of the locusts that come, eats everything. The locusts, she says, in metaphysical terms, are the doubts and fears and resentments, the regrets of mortal thinking. Those locusts that come and eat are good. I think I've talked about this before, but I'm going to review it just a little bit. The story of Samson and Delilah in metaphysical terms, because the story of Samson and Delilah is the story of our fears, you know? Samson was a man of incredible strength, if you remember the story. And the Philistine army could not overtake the Israelites because of his strength. So they hired, or they got Delilah, to be the seductress and to find out what Samson's secret was. And she did find out. It, it says that Samson got intoxicated by Delilah, right? And he told her his secrets. And so she learned to cut off his hair was his strength. So in the night, she cut off his hair, she called the Philistine army in, and they were able to capture him. They tied him up, poked out his eyes, and chained him to a milestone. When his hair grew back, he once again, his strength returned. So what does this mean to us? What does this mean to us about fears and doubts? You know, we all entertain our own Delilahs. We all entertain our own fears, right? We become intoxicated by them, or perhaps they become toxic to us as we sit and we ruminate and we think about that which we can't do, and we get into the fear of it all. We can no longer distinguish the truth from the false. When doubt and fear come knocking on your door, they may play games with your mind and make themselves look very attractive, like Delilah, right? 
So I ask you, where are you entertaining Delilah's in your life? Where are you entertaining that seductress that is telling you to play it safe, that is telling you to play it small, that is telling you to be sure, to make sure you have X amount of dollars in the bank, to don't do that, don't go there, don't go back to school, don't get on match.com. You know, where are you entertaining those Delilah's, those fears? You know, Samson lost his vision, and he goes in circles. He goes in circles. It's the same thing with us, right? We lose our vision of possibility, and our life seems to go in circles. In the Bible, it says, if you do not have a vision, the people will perish. Without a vision, the people will perish. Dr. Christian used to have that up in his office. Well, because he was the vision caster for the center I was at. and He felt if he had a very clear vision, the church would flourish. You know? So what is your vision? Are you holding on to your vision? Are you knowing what it is that you're wanting to step into? You know, Samson's hair represents our deserving. It represents our deserving. So all of us have hair, right? We didn't have to do anything to get it. And we may not have hair on our, ha hair on our head, but we've got it somewhere on our body, right? And it represents that fact that we had to do absolutely nothing to get it, that we all have it. You can never be more deserving than you are right now. Yeah, think about that. There's nothing you can do or be to make you more deserving in the eyes of spirit. You're absolutely deserving. You may be able to feel more deserving, but you can't be more deserving. By the very fact that you are breathing, you are worthy of the universe's good. By the very fact that you're here. It says you can hear these words, but conscious growth means incorporating them, taking them into deeper and deeper parts of the mind, conscious and subconscious, so that the patterns of a bigger believing in yourself begin to expand. They begin to amplify. So you are building a bigger believing and a bigger sense of deserving. Bigger sense of deserving, of knowing you are, you are the child the offspring, you are an extension of the divine, whatever you want to call it, you know. So this week, I'm going to ask you to claim your birthright, to be that amazing individual that you came here to be, to live fully, to live all out, to speak your truth, to demand it, show up in your life. I invite you to play the game of life. God bless you. So glad that you're here today. So glad that you're here. Welcome Kiki back to the...